welcome to Destiny is Debatable, a podcast and movement that will encourage you to build your life into the one you want. Here's your host, a guy who knows possibility is always a possibility, John Grimes. Howdy, howdy. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in and supporting the podcast experience. I'm delighted to introduce the guest for this episode, Elizabeth Hamilton Reno. She is a fellow podcaster and quite a prolific author, many books to her credit, and has a new one coming out in just a few months called The Success Guidebook. And uh, we'll visit with her about that, as well as some of her previous books and her podcast and, and basically media company called Best Ever You, which is just incredible and has uh, touched the lives of millions of people. Hey, Elizabeth, it's great to connect. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me, John. Appreciate being here. Hey, this is exciting for me. I'm kind of a fanboy, I guess you might call me. Anyway. <laughs> well, it's exciting for me too. I'm a, I'm a new fan of yours too. So here we go, right? Uh, so Best Ever You Network is how I became aware of you. And um, you've, 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 you've done some writing and some things that are pretty interesting too. So we're going to talk about that and maybe even some other things that we just discovered we have in common. But before we get too far into that, I have some kind of silly, wacky questions that I have to ask you, Elizabeth. Fire is that okay? Away. Yeah, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite type of music or band? Well, I'm a Swifty, <laughs> a huge Taylor Swift fan. Okay. We, uh, yeah, no, huge Taylor Swift fan. We we uh, got tickets to the concert. We did night one at Gillette. I took uh, my best friend, her daughter, and then our son's girlfriend to the Taylor Swift concert. So how many times have you seen Taylor? That one time. It made me the biggest Swiftie ever. <laughs> so I, my hashtag is Swiftie over 50. <laughs> and do you think there'll be another one for you? Another Taylor Swift yeah, concert? concert? Yeah, if we can. I, yeah. I would love to do that. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Do you have a favorite song? Um, I think I like Lover the best or Bejeweled, uh, Bejeweled, I think is what it's called. Okay. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I'm not that familiar with the catalog, oh, um, but I do know, I do know Taylor Swift. Swift we, there, we have some Swifties in my house, some pretty young Swifties. So that's just starting. That was such a cool experience. I write about her in my new book, everything it, that was, a, it, it, it made me a fan. I kind of went in sort of half knowing and, and left going i'm going to memorize her she's brilliant oh yeah okay so do you are you into music do you like music a lot uh yeah yeah do you have any like guilty kind of indulgences what like what's the song you're you're afraid to admit that you like <laughs> um i i don't know like I millie vanilli or something no no i'm more of like a like all the like madonna songs i like elton john i don't know i'm i'm pretty I'm pretty peaceful. I, you know, I love piano music. Okay. Isn't that silly? Yeah. I, when I'm just sitting here writing or doing whatever, I'll turn on piano music. I play the piano. So um, other people play it way better. And so that's kind of fun to listen to other people playing the piano way better than I can. <laughs> okay. What is a weird or maybe really interesting talent that you have that most people don't know about? A weird talent that I have that people don't know about. Uh, I, you know, I'm a former gymnast, so I can walk on my hands anywhere. Wow. Yeah. Very That's, strange. That is, that is talent. <laughs> <laughs> I can walk on my hands for, I walk down the street on my hands. 
Wow. When was the last time you did that? Uh, recently. I don't know. I, just, I can walk on my hands. Oh. It's a strange thing. I guess yeah. it's like riding a bike for you. You just never forget. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's once you're a gymnast, you're kind of always a gymnast. I'm getting kind of older now. I'm in my mid fifties, but I am still a gymnast. How many chocolate chip cookies do you think you've made? Oh, wow. Because there's a big story here. There's a, yes, yes. I donate chocolate chip cookies um, to anybody I can really. If you if you want cookies, <laughs> I'm your person. Th th uh, tens of thousands. So what, how does this start and, and who do you give them to and why chocolate chip? Well, I have terrible food allergies myself. Uh, I have peanut, tree nut, fish and shellfish allergies. So eating other people's baked goods is really dangerous so i thought you know how am i gonna go through life without eating a chocolate chip cookie i'm gonna have to learn this learn this skill and learn it to the to the best of my abilities and as i was doing that uh i you know i would make them for other people and say try these and things like that and it just turned into um a thing hmm. so do you have like a, a patented recipe it's a recipe for sure. I don't give it out. It's won, it's won the Cumberland County Fair. <laughs> it's done all sorts of fun things. It's, you know, it would be something that I would do as a business. I've done it as a business twice, actually. And it's really hard to make that many cookies and make money and do all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a hobby. But I've donated a lot of cookies across the country. Um, I've even made cookies for Robin Williams, hmm. Robin Williams, and just, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. But mostly it's local and to sports teams, schools, teachers, uh, family, neighbors, you know, that kind of thing. Speaking of sports, you're a, you're a big fan of baseball, I think. Is that right? Oh, we love baseball. And we are a baseball family. There's soccer families. We're a baseball family. Our sons all played baseball. And then one played baseball in college for Georgetown University. Mm. So shout out to Coach T and Coach Capen and all the people at Georgetown. He had fabulous experience. Uh, his name's Cam Garino, and he's a lefty pitcher. And uh, he's he got COVID years because COVID took away sports in college for, for all the people for the most part. So he had two bonus years. So he actually spent six years playing college baseball, got two master's degrees out of the deal, uh, one from Georgetown and one from New Haven. And uh, he just finished up two days ago. Okay. So who's your favorite besides the Georgetown Bulldogs, right? That's they're the Bulldogs. Hoyas, yeah. Or, Hoyas, I'm sorry, Hoyas. Yeah, yeah. Hoyas, but the Bulldog is the mascot. Yeah. yeah. So who besides the Hoyas, who's your favorite baseball team, like pro baseball team, let's say? Oh, that's not fair to make me pick one. Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a Minnesota girl, so I got to go with the twins there. Okay. Although that's, uh, you know, it's sometimes tough. like root for the yeah. Cleveland Browns. You know? it's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's really tough to be a twins fan sometimes, but I'm, I'm a twins fan, but I'll watch anything. I, I love the Blue Jays, um, but yeah, twins, Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, whatever. I'm, I'm a fan. I like the play, you know, specific players. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'll watch a variety of teams. Okay. So tell me about the Savannah bananas. Uh, yeah. That, what aren't they cool? So I don't do you know, know much about them. No, I just, okay. I know of them from you. Uh, you know, I, I, I put them in my new book, actually. It's so interesting. So Jesse Cole and his wife, Emily, 
um, decided, you know, and I'm going to paraphrase their story here, but they, uh, they were down to like their, their last, you know, penny pretty much. And, uh, they were down in, uh, the Georgia area and they owned a, a baseball team and it wasn't losing money and all these things. And they just flipped baseball upside down and created the Savannah bananas, a fan named the team. And they follow, they don't follow any of the conventional rules of baseball. Uh, if a, like if a, if a fan catches a baseball, it's an out, <laughs> they play to a time limit, all these crazy rules. Um, so it's Jesse Cole and uh, his wife, uh, Emily, and then they have the Savannah bananas, the party animals, and now the firefighters. And they, they, it's kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. It's like a baseball circus. Interesting. Um, yeah, but what a joy it has been this past year to meet Jesse Cole to have him on my podcast, to be invited to the game when they played here in Portland, Maine. We had, me and Cam had full media access like three hours before the game even started. So we met everybody, um, but they dance, they sing, they have bats on fire, a guy on stilts. It's, it's a baseball circus. It's the coolest thing ever. So do they travel like the Globetrotters, I guess? Travel worldwide. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's very difficult to get a ticket. I think the waiting list is a couple million. Okay, so let's say you're the manager of a baseball team, probably a real, you know, a not the bananas. Um, and you know how there's a lot of superstitions and things in, in baseball. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you're the manager, what superstitions or quirks would you enforce to make sure you had a winning team? Oh, for for myself or for them? For the team, yeah. For the team. Oh, that's tricky. You know, I'm a big fan of not touching any of the lines on the field. Okay. Jumping over the lines. Okay. Personally, when uh, our son played, I kind of wore the same socks all the time. Okay. <laughs> so I have lucky socks. Is there a certain uh, way you put them on or does that matter? No, nope, they're just a pair of lucky socks. And then I have, um, I love the number four. So I always wear four bracelets. So I guess my team is jumping over lines. So you can't touch, you know, within mm -hmm. reason, like if you're going out to pitch or whatever, you got to jump over that line. You know, when you, when you take the field, you're jumping over the line. You can leap, you can do whatever you want, but you're not touching it. You're probably not going to change your socks and I'm probably going to, you know, put bracelets on guys, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. How about you? Do you have superstitions? Um, I Help me out here. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm sure that I do, but I don't know how it would pertain to baseball. I have seen over the years, I've seen so many superstitions. I've seen hats on different ways. I've seen food eaten a certain way. Mm -hmm. I've seen it all. Yeah. It's hilarious. And baseball is a great sport for those kind of things. Cause I mean, they really come out of the woodwork for baseball. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we've seen uh, even our son, Cam, he had, he had certain superstitions, um, from what he would eat. Um, I think I got the jumping over the line thing from him because he won't touch the lines when he goes out to pitch. Huh. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Bull Durham? Oh, yeah. A hundred yeah. times. Yeah. So they're the guys. You like, got to breathe through your eyes. <laughs> like Fernando Valenzuela. And, <laughs> and the guy's got like a chicken bone that he's rubbing his baseball bat with. Or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I'd make my team go that far. They can have their own superstitions. That's the thing about superstitions, you know. Mine are mine. Theirs are going to be theirs. Right. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if I could enforce a, a certain thing, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's all the silly questions I have for you. Now we're going to get real serious. Okay. I want to talk about the Best Ever You Network. That's how I became aware of you. And I, I'm not sure the, the origin of that, but it's been going for some time. Tell me what, what started that and, and what you do there. It started with me uh, having our youngest son go to first grade and me thinking, I'm going to go get a job and get all suited up and go outside the house and work again. <laughs> and I took a job as a vice president of a financial services firm. And it was literally people fighting in the office. So I closed my door one day and I wrote down, there's got to be something better than this. Best ever me, best ever you. And that's what came, I just wrote that down and I don't know why or what it, it almost felt like somebody was talking to, through me or to me or something. And I went best ever you. Oh yeah, that's it. Because I bet there are a lot of people, moms, dads, everybody trying to figure out how to navigate all of this from how do I work when I need to be at home? How do I be at home when I need to work? How do I do this commute? How do I do this job? I don't like this job. You know, all the things that go through people, I need the money, whatever it is. And um, it just made me think. So I went best ever you. Oh, that's it. And I quit my job on the spot. I like closed my door and left. I mean, I opened my door, left, closed the door, walked out, came home and completely had just quit that job on the spot. Um, it was that miserable. Wow. That's, that's abrasive. That's a, that's a major change. That's, oh yeah. It was that's a, a bandaid right off. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I was like, I'm doing this. I, I'm not spending another second here. And I went up the street to my neighbor who knew about websites because this is 15 years ago, almost 16 years ago now. And uh, she registered besteveryou.com, put it, put a tiny website up for me, which was very kind of her. And I featured my, the very first feature I ever did uh, was my best friend from kindergarten who had a baby bib business from her kitchen table, making tons and tons of money, making baby bibs for people. Um, sewing them and making them and selling them to stores and doing all this stuff. And, and it was very inspirational. I'm like, okay, we can do this work from home thing. I see you doing it. I can do this too. And it was, it was just a, a wonderful um, example for some of the things that you could do from home. And, um, and that's that. I just have never looked back. And I thought, you know, we need books. We need a website. We need a podcast. We need, you know, we need multimedia because I think people, digest information differently. That seems like a monumental thing that happened there. I mean, that was a big decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially money wise. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was the best decision I have. It, it was a, it was the best decision I think I've ever made uh, or one of the best ones. And it was, it was nerve wracking because I did have moments after that where I was like, Oh no, what did I just do? I don't know that I recommend it for everybody. Um, my husband also earned an income. So it wasn't like I just was like, oh, I'm just not going to work or make money or anything like that. And here we are, you know, kind of thing. So I had a fallback. And um, so I, I had that. And for a long time, I, <laughs> I called myself husband funded mother approved. And at one point I even called myself outflow jokingly because <laughs> I was, I was definitely putting out more money than I was making and things like that. 
But what a blast. Uh, what an absolute blast it's been owning this company. I've been able to meet so many, so many cool people um, and feature them on the website as examples of, you know, what to do, what not to do, everything. It's just, just so much fun. Did that just basically start rolling or was it, was there some up and downs and was there a, oh. moment, was there a moment where you're like, this is going to work. This is it. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I just had that moment. Probably. I, I think this past year is like, this is going to work. This is it. No, you have that moment all the time. Um, and you have moments where you're like, I am so exhausted. I need to stop doing this. I've had, oh my God, I've had so many moments over the years up and down. Um, there's a sign in front of me to this day that says never, ever, ever give up ever, uh, ever. And, um, it hangs right in front of me. It's a, it's an article that was actually done on me and that's the title of it. And, um, yeah, no, it's a roller coaster and it's still going and it's so much fun. But I think some of the, the people that I've met have been so interesting because it, it demonstrates how many different people there are in the world and how we all need each other. Uh, not, not one person you meet is great at everything. And so it's been a whole host of all these different people with all these different skill sets. And, uh, you know, you learn from everybody you meet one way or the other. Yeah, that's absolutely. How do you find people? Do they find you? Do you find them or does it just happen? I think it's a mixture. Uh, there's some people that I'm very interested in, so I will, I will try and get them on the show. You know, that type of thing. Like Ed Asner was somebody who I tried to get on the show. And when he finally said, yes, it was super cool. Um, that was a moment, like I was literally eating my cereal at the kitchen table and it, and it was like, Ed Asner said, yes. Um, so, you know, there's some, some really neat moments where you were like, wow, I can't believe I get to interview Ed Asner. And Christopher Radko, we talked about, I've, I've heard you talk yes. to him. How <laughs> neat was that? Everybody went just crazy over that show. He makes those beautiful Christmas ornaments. And uh, he's he's turned into a good friend. I'll text him every once in a while and just say, hey, you know, how's it going? You know, happy, happy, merry Christmas early in June or whatever it is, because he's busy all the well, time. Yeah, for him, it's Christmas all year round. I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's over at Heart heartfullyyours.com and has beautiful, beautiful ornaments. And, uh, I heard your, you were telling me your mom collects his ornaments. So yes. how is that? She might be considered a fanatic anyway. So yeah, at least she was, there was, there was a pause there for him, um, yeah. for some things that were going on contractually with him, but I, I guess he's back at it, which I, I sent actually that the link to your podcast to my mom. I was like, Hey, you need to listen to this. Well, I will see if I can help you and and have him on your show, and, and we'll see if we can make that happen. Oh man, that'd be well, tremendous! Talk about that. a fan girl. Maybe I can get my mom involved. That would be exactly. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I won't do that this week. I'll probably wait till January. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll wait for we'll a lot of wait. things going on. Yeah. What a great human being he is! So kind and so well spoken, and and so generous with his his time and energy, and uh, just he's he's thoughtful. Okay. And if I have my timeline right here, um, you start writing. I think you said you started the the network, Best Ever You Network, and then you do all these things in podcasts and writing. And writing probably came before podcasts just because it probably didn't exist 15 years ago. Yeah, the podcast came first. Oh, it did. Okay, cool. It did. And it was uh, way back when, in 2010, when there were no podcasts. Awesome. And we literally were, I, I was talking to Air. And Forbes Riley was the first guest. Oh, 
Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yep. And then the change guidebook develops from that? Uh, actually, um, I was a Hay House author first, and that was back in 2012. Is that I Percolate? Uh, yep, that's Percolate, Let Your Best Self Filter Through. Okay. That was my first book, and I moved. Um, took me a while to write my second book because my father was so ill, and I I didn't know what to do next. I'm like, well, how do you follow up Percolate? And nothing was coming to me, really. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I had I have sayings like Percolate Peace and things like that, but I didn't know if I wanted to write that. Um, and I thought, you know, as over the years of being a master life coach and owning best ever you, the thing, the two topics that I see over and over and over again, that people need help navigating are change and success. How do I change something about me to be more successful? <laughs> it's usually what people say, or how do I navigate change or how do I manage this change going on in my life? It's really thrown me for a loop. Number of things there with change. And then with success, people are always wondering how they can be their best in that regard. And so those those two topics really were of interest to me. And that's how the change guidebook and the success guidebook came about. Have you always been a writer? I have always been a writer. Always, actually. Going into kindergarten, going into preschool even, I could read and write. And I would teach the other little kids in kindergarten to read and write. Always. Yeah. My third grade teacher said to me, I can't wait to see what you write. You're a writer. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Did she, did your third grade teacher know you could stand on your hands yet? Yes. I was always a gymnast too. <laughs> <laughs> they actually did. They would have talent shows back in elementary school and I would do my gymnastics routines. Okay. Can you write on your hand, like standing on your hands? Yeah. Yep. I can stand on my hand with, I can balance on a hand. Yeah. And write with the other? I could do that. Yeah. Wow. Probably not well, but I could do that. I, especially when I was younger, I could probably do it much better. But yeah, that is a skill. You, you can stand on one hand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I better be able to. That's, yeah, gonna... it's impressive. I can stand on one leg. <laughs> I know. That's easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So change is a big topic and um, everybody has changed in life. That is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Some people more than others and some people more dramatically than others. And some people, it takes longer to get the change. Some people live just kind of groovy lives for a long time, and then it just happens. And change can, man, um, I, I, I know a little bit about that. I had some change happen to me in, earlier in life. Mm -hmm. And it's tough. It, it certainly can be tough. And when you're going through those change, you know, there's a, there's a stages of all those changes depending upon what the change is. But you either need help or you you reject help or you don't want help or, you know, it, not everybody's receptive to change. And I I haven't read the change guidebook, but I suspect we get some pretty good advice or counsel on on kind of how to how to do that. What changes in your life made you understand how to how to manage or uh, navigate change? Yeah, I think you're spot on too with what you're saying about change. That that's one thing. And I would say that when I think about change, I I kind of divvy it up into change that you ask for and change that you don't. And this book tackles that topic in both topics in masterclass format. So the book is a masterclass itself. 
And as for me, where I started to become really interested in change was um, personally, I became allergic. I have life-threatening food allergies that I developed in my late 20s. And I'm 54 now. And in my late 20s, uh, one minute I was fine. And the next minute I had food allergies and life-threatening food allergies um, and have had numerous instances where I've nearly lost my life on, I can't even, multiple, multiple occasions. So that I had to adjust to and relearn how to, what I can and can't eat and have had several mishaps with that. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And it and it developed later in life. I mean, it like did. it wasn't as a, you know, as like an elementary school, we have nut free classrooms yeah. and stuff. It was it was after you're basically an adult. Yeah, I developed it after a pregnancy. Uh, is and, that common? Uh, I think it's probably more common than you think. I know a lot of adults are getting more and more food allergies. But with kids, I, I think it's one in 13 kids has a has some type of uh, food allergy now. Uh, for me, I have a peanut, tree nut, fish, and shellfish allergy, all four of them. My kids do not. I do. And I think the theory is maybe while I was pregnant, I took on the allergy, and and I, which is great because I can't imagine having children with these allergies. I think it's very scary. So, um, but that was that was my first thing. And then my second thing was my dad had a stroke in 2004. And, um, that threw him and everyone for a complete loop and he was never the same again. And he lived all the way years and years and years. He, he passed away about five years ago. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, um, yeah. And so I think there's some, a lot of similarities there kind of, uh, cause I, I do, I think a lot of what I talk about or, or will be talking that the podcast has changed names as, as I described. And we were, I was focused a lot on kind of resilience and just blindness and people. I kind of was trying to learn myself really, yeah. um, kind of had the, the ambiguities of, of sight loss, but it was also more general in the sense of just kind of change for uh, in general, which is why I was, uh, attracted to your story and, and kind of what you're doing. But with destiny's debatable, uh, it's the tagline is build your life into the one you want. And I, I it sounds to me like that's kind of what you did. You're sitting in that, in that room at the bank or, or the financial place and you say, this is crazy. I am out of here. This is, this is not <laughs> what I want. And there's gotta be something else. Um, that's a pretty quick yeah. decision that you made there to, to do that. But I kind of think it all, it's all kind of the same thing and it all, it all makes sense with change. And then as we, as we get into success, that's, um, I don't know, it's pretty amazing. Well, thank you for that. And, you know, I, when I write books, I write them to meet people in those moments. So if you've got a, if you're having a moment where you kind of have that inkling that you're like, oh, something, something's got to change or something needs to change or I want something to change or, hey, it changed and oh my goodness, what a, how am I going to deal with that? My books are for you. That's anybody, Elizabeth. I mean, that's, that's... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. And they, they deal with people on a real basis. And I think that's, you know, I, I, tr I tried to write books that I would actually buy myself like I, to pretend I don't write them and I go in and see them in a bookstore, would I buy that? The answer is yes. And I try to write books that are relatable. They're human. They're not talking down there. It's like having a conversation with us right now, only in book format. And uh, I, I think you can, you can do anything, but I think you need maybe some guidance 
along the way, I know I certainly have needed guidance from other people along the way, especially navigating change and learning about change and learning about my life. And I, I think especially I'm particularly fascinated um, by people who do get thrown for those loops and how you deal with that and how you navigate that and how you change with that, um, whether it's a medical condition or whatever circumstance it is, um, which, you know, I know we all, we trade off moments and have these moments. So it's, it's important to have the tools in your toolbox to deal with your moments. And before we hit the uh, record button, where I was talking a little bit about my moments, if we, if we want to use that word with, with bacterial meningitis, and you said, hey, uh, I know about that. I've, I had bacterial meningitis. What a small world that is. Yeah, that's a scary world too. That's a scary thing. But yeah, I, I can, um, I had that when I was a new newborn baby and how I lived. I have no idea. I, I keep, I ask my mom about it all the time. She said it was terrifying. Um, but yeah, I was born really small, like five pounds. And then, um, I guess a few months later developed uh, meningitis. Wow. And somehow worked. did I, I mean, probably don't obviously have no memory of that, I guess, but like, was, was it diagnosed quickly? Did you have any, were there, are there any effects from you from that, that you, you're aware of? No, no. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the tallest person on the planet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, obviously it didn't affect your ability to walk on your hands or anything. Yeah. Let's blame that. Um, no, you know, like on a big hair day, I'm five, three, which, you know, makes for the gymnast in me. Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, I have terrible eyesight too. I don't know if that, uh, contributes to it. I'm, I'm not blind, but I sure am when I don't have glasses or contacts on. Um, like negative nine fifty, uh, ten or so in each eye. Yeah, which you know, it's it's correctable, but is it? <laughs> you know, it's. I still don't think I see very well at night, um, where other people do, and things like that. So I have limitations. Yeah, well, well, we all do, and and knowing your limitations is important too, especially in life. Yeah. Um. So you got to understand where those those guardrails are, and and not not go over the edge. And that, I think that's hard. Harder for some people than it is others. Um, there's denial and all kinds of all kinds of emotions and yeah, there sure are. And and the book walks you through that, you know, definitely from you know assessing a situation to like, hey, what just happened here, to you know going through those those moments where you're asking for support, you're implementing things, you're doing trial and error. Um, and I think what what the book ultimately leads you to the change guidebook ultimately leads you to is kind of what you're doing is the impact you can have on other people. Because when you share your story with other people, you discover a lot, you know, you're not alone. It's amazing. It's, it's an incredible feeling, very cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you help other people heal by sharing your story because people silently sit and go, well, I'm the only one with this. I suck you know, or whatever it is, people do all sorts of crazy things. Um, say, say, talk negatively to themselves, feel shame, feel this, feel that. And so it's so important to be vocal with what's going on with you. And the other thing, the flip side of that too, is it's so important to be vocal with your dreams and goals. Because if I don't know what you're thinking, if I don't know what your dreams and goals and hopes are, 
for example, if you didn't say, hey, I really love Christopher Radko and so does my mom, I'd never know that. And I'd never know, hey, let me connect you so you can do a show with him. So we all help each other grow. And so I always say it's very important to vocalize what's happening so other people can show up for you. Yeah. You know, we all become more, it's a heightened awareness. Uh, because otherwise, as I pass you, I have no idea what's going on in your life in, in casual passing. And I know we were talking earlier about um, my friend Wayne, who owns the Invisible Disabilities Association. And bravo to him. You know, his wife's not feeling, his wife is, hasn't felt well for a long time. But if you look at her, you can't tell. And so he created this fabulous network um, to help other people. You know, in passing, you can't tell that I have food allergies and wear a medic alert unless you look at my left arm. And so it's, it's important. So I always say it's so important to pause. And when you're around other people, no matter what is going on in your world, treat other people with, with a sense of peace, compassion, collaboration, kindness, you know, all the words that matter um, to just take that pause when you're around other people because you have absolutely no idea what's going on with them. Yeah. At, from the disability standpoint is is probably less obvious, but it, just what's going on in their mind. Yeah. Or when somebody cuts you off in the road or doesn't wave at you or, you know, there's lots of things that can happen that you could take the wrong way and, and could cause problems really. Yeah. And, you know, at, when my dad died, um, I came, my dad, uh, my family is in Minnesota. And so I came back to Maine and I was up at the grocery store and I was crying over the pears and the pears were, I was say, you know, the pears were gorgeous. I was just crying because my dad had died and I, it was random. And this lady came up to me and she goes, can I give you a hug? And this is pre COVID and all this stuff. And I said, absolutely. And she, and as she was hugging me, she goes, which one of your parents just died? And I said, and she, and I said, how did you know that? She goes, it's unmistakable. The look on your face. That's, that's, you've just lost a parent. And, um, I have no idea to this day who that was. Absolutely no idea. I've gone back and looked for her, an older lady. I don't know if that was an angel. I have absolutely no idea who that was. That's amazing. But it sure made me stop crying and made me very aware. Like in that moment, I like went back into my car and I'm like, oh my gosh, be kind to every single human you encounter every moment, <laughs> you know, because you never know what's going on in people's lives. And it just, it hit home for me to just w walk around with way more awareness of other people as someone had done with me. Yeah. That is really amazing. And not that I didn't do that before pretty aware, but it made me slow down even more. Yeah. With intention now, yeah. as opposed to maybe just bypass and passing. Yeah. Yep. Almost, almost kind of too much intention, <laughs> almost kind of too much awareness. Now. Yeah, well, you gotta be, yeah, you gotta be careful. Well, I'm a people worrier. I'm like, Oh my goodness gracious. Um, yeah, I'm very much a people worrier. Yeah. Well, you got to be careful and let people breathe. And like I say, I've been, I'm ambiguously blind and, and some people ask me all the time, you know, can you see this? Can you see me? Can you see that? I say, well, oftentimes I have to get uncomfortably close to you to see something like in your face or something or your shirt. So let's just, let's just stick with the description and we'll be fine. You know, don't get, don't get that close. Yeah. Yeah. My kids will make fun of how close I hold my cell phone when I don't have my glasses on. Like, wow. <laughs> you get any closer? I'm like, yeah. Uh, I, I, I wish so. Yeah, I wish I could. Yeah, I wish I could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the success guidebook now. So now we've changed and we're going to become our best ever 
use or Meads. And um, now we're, we want to be successful. So what does, what does the success guidebook tell us or teach us or walk us through? And I should note, we'll have links to all these in the, in the show notes as well. Uh, There's a little bio section and, and links for the book and the book, comes out in a in April of 2024, right? So yeah. we're we're in pre-sale mode now. Um, but let's just tell me what you can about the success guidebook and and what happens there. Sure. Uh, the how I th- started to think about success again was this feeling that nobody ever feels that great about themselves, um, and that's a, that's a sweeping generalization. I'm sure some of you out there feel great, but for the most part. <laughs> people feel inadequate all the time. And I'm like, what in the world? You know, you're enough. You're great. You're amazing. You're unique. You're, you know, all these amazing things. And um, I had somebody in my coaching practice and I I put an assessment in front of them and they scored themselves all zeros. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, (laughs) we're going to redo this and work together. And the book seeks to completely redefine success. Um, and change it from comparison and dollars in your pocket and data and measurements and all this stuff to being enough. And what I love about my books, both the change guidebook and the success guidebook are, it's not just me yapping on and on. So the structure of the books is narrative from me. uh, And then two exercises to kind of illustrate the point and stories from other people so that you don't feel alone in your quest for success or your or you're navigating change and all these stuff. So 20 other people in each of the books, so that's 40 people, show up and and share their stories as well. And we've got amazing people in the success guidebook and the change guidebook, but we're talking about the success guidebook. So we've got the head head baseball coach of the Georgetown Hoyas, Edwin Thompson. Mm-hmm. So Coach T is there. Uh, my son Cam Garino shares a story. We've got um, Nando Cesarone, the head of UPS. We've got Lisa Gable, former U.S. ambassador. Amy Lyle is in there. She closes out the book. Our friend. Yes. The great Amy Lyle. Yes. Yeah. The great. She's amazing. And she, she was so wonderful to, to help me. I would sense check her with certain sections of the book and say, what do you think of this? And she'd give me some feedback. So she's actually done a lot more than just contribute a story. She's contributed some thoughts to the introduction and other various parts of the book. So she's a great human being, so talented, and she's an author in her own right. We're all a mess and it's okay. And (laughs) she's just a great person. There's some great stories in those books. Yeah. Yeah. She's been on the podcast too. It's uh, she's fun. I love Amy. Yeah. Really good. I've been on her. My first introduction to her was being a guest on her podcast and uh, her t- TV show, whatever you want to call it. And um, she's just been a good buddy ever since. And there's, I think there's some factors in the book too. Those are like 10 yeah. factors. 10 factors. Tantalize um, me with a couple of them. What What are some of the factors? <laughs> um, oh, that'll give away the book. Won't All right. Well then. Uh, no, no, no. But you know, it, it, it you know, it's it things like believing in yourself. Um, I'll share the last one. How's that? Because I love the last chapter of the book is about celebrating your success and celebrating you as a human being, which I don't think we do enough. I think we celebrate in interesting ways. And so the last chapter of the book is, is an interesting one to me. I struggled writing it too, actually. I'm like, how do I teach people to celebrate success? What do I mean by that? And so the last chapter of the book 
throws celebration um, completely changes that too. And uh, Amy Lyle closes the book out. Yeah, that's she's the closer. You bring in um, the closer. Um, Brought in the best closer. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the baseball connection here. Who's the closer for the Yankees? Uh, Mariana, you bring in Mariana Rivero. Yep. At the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we did. Exactly. Yeah. I love that because the book is strong throughout. You know how some books start off strong and then taper off and you put them down? Yeah. This one doesn't do that. Okay. So you've mentioned some people and I guess for this purposes, and I don't want to pin you down on any of this, but is it, is it safe <laughs> to say that Amy Lyle is among your best chapters, I guess? I think so. I think she would want us to say that. Yeah. I think even, even if. Even if we, no, no, of course. No, I think that's, and that's why I mentioned that chapter, that celebrate chapter, because it's, it's very strong. And um, if you're one of those people that picks up a book and reads the last chapter, just decide if you're going to read the book or not, or you skip ahead or whatever. It's a really strong, fun chapter. Sounds like you're busy all the time, Elizabeth, between baseball and writing and, um, and the best ever you network. Are there other projects you've got going on or is, or is this enough for you? <laughs> um, you know, I do like to be busy, but not busy without purpose. So I do I structure it so that I do projects and things like that. And so I have a new, I have a new book that just came out. It's uh, it's called Blueberry and Jam Adventures in Maine. It's a children's book. This one is self-published and it took about 14 months to complete. It's about a cat and a mouse who tour the state of Maine. And uh, it's super cute because on its own, without much promotion, people are buying it and stores are carrying it. So it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, uh, I've always wanted to write that book and uh, I finally did it. So I have some success of my own. Wow. That's so you're basically a prolific writer. I love writing. Yeah, I do love writing. I'm, I have so many ideas for books. <laughs> wow. Well, I need to talk to you because I'm trying to write myself. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk about that too. But uh, that's that's a topic for a different different episode. Yep, I'd love to help you. Where's the best place for people to find you, Elizabeth, out there? I hang out in social media quite a bit, so I'm on Instagram, and then um, my websites are besteveryou.com and elizabethgarino.com. Okay, and all your social links and things are there, and the books. Yep. And the kids' books and best ever you and and all that stuff. Tremendous. Yep. Thanks a bunch for hanging out with us, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy. Thanks so much for spending your time with the Destiny is Debatable podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe. It really does help us grow and reach new people. For more information, visit johnbgrimes.com. Destiny is Debatable is a Symblem production.